Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, where every once in a while, twin sisters join forces to spread misinformation and suspect the worst of everyone. Book number 44, Pretenses. Is someone coming to Kara and Steven? Very gossipy delivery, Katie. Do you recognize that voice, Gladiators? Do you recognize it? It is almost 100% certain. So I guess like 99.5% certain, not certain, as I just said, that... this is now the most the most appearing guest on the Sweet Valley Diaries podcast is with us today, Katie Ledoux. Welcome back, Katie. Oh, it's the only place I've been the most popular in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to provide that service for you. And uh, Gladiators, mm-hmm. if you haven't caught on to this by now, my thought process with guests coming back to the show as, now that we get further into the series is that... When I've had a friend who has become a little bit of an expert on a particular aspect of Sweet Valley, um, and by become an expert, I guess I just mean has read one of the books about a particular character or character dynamic in Sweet Valley, when that character dynamic comes up again, I sometimes will ask the same person to come back. So like I had our friend Russ on to talk about Bill Chase. A couple times. Well, so Katie, you can mm. share with the class what your area of expertise is. I would have to assume that my area of expertise is Stephen and Trisha, ah. based on the books that I've read. Well, you did one Stephen and Trisha, and then one Stephen and Kara. So you make okay. a good point. It's, it's yeah, Stephen I like, Wakefield, I guess. Like it's been a through line of all of them, but I guess like if he's there, then she's brought up. The many romances of Stephen Wakefield. But, you know, Trisha and Stephen are the, like, OTP, if you will. That's true. But alas, not a couple that is very uh, possible to ship unless we're doing some kind of Halloween uh, spooky I mean, I feel like you, sh- you can ship, that, ship them until they die, until she dies. Well, she did die. No, but I mean, like, if you, you can ship them for, like, the first several books until she dies. Okay, absolutely, complete. I of course, yes, certainly. But now that she has died long ago, I think the books would yes. have us believe, even though it's still <laughs> junior year. Everybody, um, that was. So I'm question. thrilled to have you on, Katie, to talk about this, and it's fun to be able to talk about it with a little bit of uh, of background too. Um, and we might as well start by looking at the cover. We've got Stephen and Kara on the cover, uh, looking like a. Just a real '80s look they've got happening here. Like, um, I mean, it, they don't look like teenagers. <laughs> I no, gotta say they definitely look like a married couple who's having an argument because they can't uh, pay the mortgage or something. Yeah. Like, you know. So we've got Stephen looking for all the world like Alex P. Keaton in a beige blazer and a blue tie. He's looking angrily over his shoulder at Kara. He's holding a piece of paper in his hands. Do you have a color version of this, Katie? Yes, I do. What, any, you notice yep. anything about that piece of paper? That piece of paper is white. So yes. somebody screwed up. 
because it should be pink. Gladiators, you'll soon find out that, yeah, the stationery that Stephen is looking at is an important plot point in the book. And it it is pink stationery, as Katie has said. Um, What is pink on this cover is Kara's dress. A shimmery See, that's pink what I dress. Think, is they were like, well, the dress is pink, so we can't make the stationery pink. But here's the deal: <clears throat> it should have been more important that the stationery be pink than her dress. I agree. <laughs> no, because I don't think her dress color is even specified in this book. Because presumably, this no. is a, a supposed to be a sort of, you know, in spirit, a kind of retelling of a moment when Kara catches Stephen reading one of these letters, but. Oh, you guys, we'll get into it. But boy, what a what a situation these two crazy kids have gotten themselves into. Also, in fairness, really, this is not the main thing of this book. Yes. I feel like the main thing of this book is Abby Richardson. And I she totally should agree. be on the cover. The cover of the book makes it seem like it's a Kara and Stephen book. And Kara and Stephen's story is important to the book, but I agree. They brought in an, another new character and they made this the Abby Richardson book. And, and I mean, Abby Richardson, even though she is new, she's another, you know, rando, I do think that her situation is relatable and interesting. And I guess they just thought maybe... <laughs> Uh, Stephen and Kara get butts in seats better than uh, better than some new chick. Nobody knows who she is. My question is, you know, obviously because I am not completely aware of the entire series, is Abby Richardson like somebody that we've mentioned before in passing, or was this the introduction of this character? Great question. Um, Abby Richardson was mentioned in passing only in the previous book, in the way that these books sometimes plant that seed for the next book. And in fact, she was mentioned in a way that sets up an element of of Abby being a potential uh, love interest, or I guess love interest isn't really the word. Um, We'll say distraction, interference person, interferer uh, with Stephen, because... In the previous book, Elizabeth had a, they referred to it in this book in passing as a video party, like Stephen had met Abby at, but the video party means the premiere of this documentary that Elizabeth and her friends made about Sweet Valley. Abby was there. And all we learn about Abby is that she used to date this guy from Palisades High, and she broke up with him. And now suddenly she is around and yeah. at social things. At the outset of this book, though, we do start with the Kara storyline. And I thought I would read just like a little, just a tiny little bit to kind of get the uh, gladiators on the same page with us in, in terms of Jessica's mindset on where Kara and Steven are at right now. So, oh, well, this is actually interesting to think about. Kara has been getting letters from Stephen, and his letters are very romantic. So she starts trying to read one to Jessica. They're on the school bus, which is kind of a new thing. Jessica hates riding the bus, of course. So (laughs) um, the first reading of the episode, Jessica forgot how agonizing it was to take the bus as she regarded her friend. Kara, she said seriously, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. When are you two going to smarten up and drop this whole long-distance thing? Kara had been dating Jessica's older brother, Stephen, a college freshman at a nearby state university, for some time now. 
Although it had been her idea to fix them up in the first place, Jessica had recently decided that Kara and Stephen were no longer an ideal couple. For one thing, she preferred having her friend all to herself, and for another, she was sick of so many of her good friends being involved in such serious relationships. Especially with Stephen 45 minutes away. What was the point? After all, there were plenty of good-looking guys right there in Sweet Valley. Lately, it had been irritating her more than ever. And Kara, pretty, dark-haired Kara, who had always been so much fun, had really lost a lot of her spunk since she started going out with Stephen. The old Kara was much wilder, much more fun. Now she was so, so responsible. Much more like Elizabeth than Jessica. So that's Jessica's beef with this. Uh, she's Jessica's feeling like odd woman out. Jessica's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and she actually does a turnaround later in the book about about the whole thing. Like Jessica basically advises Kara that their relationship, Kara's relationship with Stephen, Jessica's brother, needs to have more mystery and kind of creates a creates an issue between Kara and Stephen out of thin air, not really through any scheming, just by kind of suggesting that maybe there could be a problem. I mean, Jessica doesn't do this single-handedly. Stephen Stephen helps. I mean, in a way, the whole thing is Jessica's fault. Because she convinces Kara, basically, that their relationship is boring and she needs to breathe life into it. And then kind of all of this stuff happens. But also... uh, by the conclusion of the book, I decide that Kara's an idiot, so it's beyond. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Every I think everything was Jessica's fault. Could probably be a good, could have been a good opener. You know, Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where everything is Jessica's fault. But I, I know what you mean um, about Kara and and gladiators. Soon you'll know what we mean too. But one other significant thing that I think is, I, I'm curious what you think about, is that Kara. Uh, reveals in the opening of this book that she is having a birthday party for herself, which is not remarkable, except that the book tells us that her birthday was actually a couple months ago, but she didn't have a party for herself then, I guess, because because she and Stephen had like been on the outs. So now, she, now that things are good between them again, she's decided that she's going to throw herself a birthday party. Like, it's one thing if you were like, I was too busy around my birthday, I missed it, so I'll have to do something afterwards. But the book implies it's been two or three months. Yeah. And like, I don't she's know been why. that busy for two or three months that she couldn't throw a birthday party? I mean, maybe I'm just forgetting some past reference to Kara's birthday that, that we're glossing over, but... Barring that, I don't know why why even bother making that the case. Like, what do we care if when Kara's birthday is? We don't even know what month it is. You know, the book never establishes what month we're in now. So I'm not sure why it matters because it doesn't actually come up again. You would expect Stephen at one point to be like, God, Kara, give it a rest. It's not even your birthday. But he do- that doesn't even happen. But I wonder if that's a little bit part of it is like, well, I mean, I guess spoiler alert, but like he is in such a mood and is like kind of pissy at her party. And it's like, well, it's not even her birthday in the first place. Like, you know? Yeah. I wish so he'd maybe, said like, that. If it, if it was her birthday, he, he may have cared a little more to not be 
so busy. Yeah. But because it's like, he has all these other things going that obviously <laughs> we'll cover later, but it's like, it's not even her birthday. Like, yeah. Whatever. I mean, also, spoiler alert, Stephen also sucks in this book, but I mean, they both, they're both terrible and they probably you know deserve what? each other. Disagree. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, we'll get to, we'll Disagree. get there. Disagree. Okay. We'll yes. get there. Um, right. I have, I, he doesn't suck a hundred percent. It's just like, he does some things that I have an issue with, but but we should talk about Abby Richardson because we find out that her boyfriend's name was Doug Brewster at Palisades. Who I mean, compared to Doug Brewster, Stephen is a one number one boyfriend of all time. Steve, Doug Brewster sounds like he sucks, uh, but <laughs> their relationship was so like all consuming for Abby that she wasn't. Like, it was as if she didn't even go to Sweet Valley High, which is sort of hard to wrap my mind around. Because I understand that her social life, she would have spent all with Doug and his Palisades friends. But, like, she still had to go to school at Sweet Valley High. Like I get it, because I definitely knew people in school that were, like, not really remotely invested in hanging out with people in school and had like friends and significant others from other schools. And they were like, well, I'm cool because I hang out with people from other schools and I don't need to hang out with people from here. And it's like, yeah, I get that. But also you do have to be here like seven hours a day. So like maybe. I think maybe it was just on my mind, like totally absent of whether or not it's a terrible idea to only have friends through your significant other at another high school. But I think the reason that it came to mind is that Abby Richardson first appears in this book when in the cafeteria when she comes to sit down with Elizabeth and uh, Penny Ayala and Winston Egbert, they're having, and Jeffrey, they're like all having a conversation. And Abby comes and sits with them, and they're all kind of surprised because they don't know her very well, but she's nice enough. But I was just thinking, like, well, where did she eat lunch before? You know, it's not well, like, it's not like she's new to the cafeteria. Yeah, like, I think there's some, like, several, like, plot holes in that in that one <laughs> I mean there's a, a several but like yeah I get it she she's not around she doesn't talk to that many people she has friends outside of it that's fine I get that but like was she eating lunch at a different time before was she not eating in the cafeteria before like I yeah. don't I mean I don't know is this stated in the books like are they allowed to like leave yeah campus i was just thinking lunch? that sweet valley does have an open campus it's pretty well established okay maybe she and doug both had those zach morris mobile phones and so she would like go out to the lawn during lunch and, and call him and he was on his lunch and they would just talk to each other all during lunch or they would like meet up yeah but i think if maybe. i mean if I guess that's that's possible. I was just thinking if if Palisades High is the Palisades High in the Palisade Pacific Palisades, that's got to be really far away from Sweet Valley. But anyway, we can't get bogged down in Sweet Valley geography. It's it is a black yeah. hole that will suck us in real quick. Um, Abby Richardson's story, though, and Kara's story do overlap a little bit throughout the first half of this book because. It turns out that Kara has told Abby that she's having this birthday party at this place called the Marine Room, which is apparently very shishi. And then then Kara finds out that she can really only invite, I think she specifies 14 people um, because it's expensive. Yes. You know, she has to pay 
for everybody's meals, I guess, is that kind of party, like, at a wedding or something. And so she has mentioned the party to Abby, but she can't invite Abby to the party. And Jessica's like, oh, I'm sure she'll forget all about it. But Abby, not understanding this detail, is, like, waiting patiently for her invite from Kara and actually kind of trying to insinuate herself in Kara's day so that Kara has an opportunity to invite her to this birthday party. Like, in a way, you think, like, this is absolutely ridiculous, the the whole situation between the two of them. But it's also, like, painfully real. <laughs> like, I definitely lived through this scenario on both sides of it. Like, I definitely, like, had birthday parties where, you know, I had, like... I feel like mostly I had normal ones where it was like, you know, you just have people to your house. It doesn't really matter. But I had a couple that were like at special places and I was only allowed to invite so many people and I'd like mention it to somebody before, you know, like this was when I was a kid. This was like elementary school and I would like mention it before I knew that I couldn't invite them. Yeah. And then, like, I would get home and my parents were like, well, you can only bring 10 kids with you. What are the 10 kids you're going to bring? And I'll be like, oh, no, like, I told so-and-so, and they're definitely not in the 10 that I want to invite. And then you feel awful. Or even, like, I feel like the equivalent now as a grown adult is, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, like, if you have a coworker that's getting married and all they do is, like, talk about their wedding the whole time, and they like their preparation for the wedding and the decoration and like and like my one coworker is like like we're like work friends. Yeah. Um like we don't really hang out outside of work, but we're work friends and we're kind of like yes. Yeah, she would even like show me stuff about her wedding and be like, should I go with this or should I go with that or should I do this or or like what do you think of this or what you know, and then at one point somebody said something to me like, Well, yeah, you're going to the wedding, right? And I was like, No. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you know, it was a small wedding, but I was also like, well, we're not outside of work friends, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like if she had invited me, I'd have been like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, sure. I'll come. But it's like, but being constantly involved in the planning of it and knowing that I wasn't invited is also like kind of weird. Yeah. But yeah, you can relate to Abby for sure. Like that scenario to me, like the, the Abby care scenario is very real, very relatable. The the thing that's weird to me about Abby is, like, we're, which, again, the timeline confuses me, because when I read Stephen is a freshman in high school, in college, I was like, still? He's still? Like, what Forever. is the timeline for this? He will always be um, a, a freshman like, in college, as long as we're reading Sweet Valley High novels. Yeah. Um, but the, basically, Abby hasn't spoken to these people in, like, two years, And is now going up and, like, sitting with these people at lunch that are presumably, like, the most popular kids in her grade. (laughs) Yeah. She's working really hard to make friends. Yeah. Like, back when I was in high school, uh, there's no way. Like, if I looked around the room and was like, oh, man, none of my friends are here. I'm definitely not going to go to the table with the people that are the most popular people in my school and sit with them. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I mean... 
been the last thing I would have done. And gladiators, I know that we were just describing Abby going to Elizabeth and like Penny and Winston, and that might not necessarily seem like the most popular people. But there's a later scene, several where like several times Abby has definitely gone and sat with Carol, Lila, and Jessica. Which, I mean, that actually really takes guts when you think about it. Like sitting down at that table with those three girls. My goodness. And I suppose we might as well mention that the conversation that she's walking into with the newspaper people, the Oracle people, is about the fact that the Oracle is not as popular as it used to be. And they've decided they want to punch it up by uh, Winston's brilliant idea is that he wants, he thinks they should add like some kind of humor to the paper, which, yeah, good idea. Uh, so they're going to have a contest to see who, like, what will be a winning kind of, like, humorous column in the Oracle. And Abby does cartoons, so she is encouraged by Winston, who had an art class with her, saying uh, she's a good artist, uh, to, to try and maybe draw, like, a comic strip for the paper. And it's she's going to submit it to the contest. She has this moment that I thought was interesting... Um, where she's talking to her mom about how she's had this great day. You know, she's working hard to make friends, and um, her technique for making friends is mostly to be really nice to people. But here's what Abby says to her mother. Elizabeth Wakefield is so nice, Mom. I really want to get to know her better. She paused to chew and then went on. She's eating an apple. I hope I can get to be friends with her. She was thinking that submitting cartoons for the paper's competition might be the best way. Abby had been noticing Elizabeth from afar for a while now, and she secretly thought Elizabeth was one of the smartest, nicest girls at school. Now that Abby was no longer spending time with the kids from Palisades High, she was anxious to start making some new friends. And if there was one person Abby wanted for a friend, it was Elizabeth. They talk about Abby's comic strip? That, like, yeah. Abby's funny, and she has this comic strip, and they read this comic strip, and my note is just, Abby's cartoon strip is not funny. <laughs> it's uh, not funny see. at all. Let me see if I have, uh, if I have an example. It's, it's, it's just dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, well, she, she creates this character named Jenny Bain that's basically a thinly veiled stand-in for Abby herself. And she hopes that the students at Sweet Valley High will relate to to Jenny Bain. And um, let's see, where is it? I, I There are a couple of them in here. Oh, here it is. On page 25. I'll, I'll just read read what it says. So, the first strip was about breaking up with a boyfriend. In the first panel, Jenny was talking to her mother, complaining. When I was going out with John, I felt terrible about myself. All I could do was sit around and worry about him. We stopped having fun, and I felt like it was all my fault. So, how do you feel now? Jenny's mother asked in the second panel. Well, everything's different now. John and I have split up, and I don't have anyone to blame but myself for anything that happens. Well, it's Friday night, sweetheart. What are you going to do? Are you going to see some friends? Go to a movie? Nah, Jenny said in the last panel. I think I'll just sit around and worry for a while about what I did to make things fall apart. How is that funny? (laughs) It's kind of funny because she's worrying because it's like, 
oh, I used to worry all about this relationship and now I'm free of that relationship. So what are you going to do now that you can do whatever you want? And she's like, I'm just going to keep worrying. I mean, it's yeah. a very neurotic kind of humor, but I, I can, I don't know. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it's, you know, like, oh, that's Jenny a comic Bain. strip. Like, <laughs> like, I just felt like. It is kind of hard to picture these co- these panels of this comic that are just like so crowded with words be that, because the, it's all just the mom and Jenny talking to each other. But yeah, I'm like, it's, uh, it's just, just dialogue. So. <laughs> That's what's going on with Abby right now. And meanwhile, Stephen Wakefield, who, you know, he needs to be around to factor into the story here. Um, I-, I thought it was interesting that the book specified that he went to a state college. So now we know that Sweet Valley College is a state, a state school. Um, mm-hmm. He comes home because he's having serious allergy and sinus problems, like very serious. And the doctor yeah. wants to run a whole bunch of tests and he's on medicine and he needs to come home to be able to go to the doctor a whole bunch, I guess. And he's got work to do and he feels icky. And so Kara's excited that he's coming home, but it's kind of like, well, I'm not coming home. I mean, he's, be- well, I'll read the scene later where he says it, but he's coming home to uh, to try and recuperate, but he's going to have to continue doing his schoolwork and stuff. But he'll be home for yeah, Kara's I, fake birthday party, so that's fun. Kara just doesn't, like, she just doesn't pay attention to anything. Like, the idea that, I guess, they go on about, like, how wonderful Kara is, I'm like, this book does not paint her in the best light. <laughs> no uh, in this book to me she comes off very selfish well i'll go ahead and read um something that i think reveals this a little bit you know so it's around this time that jessica has advised kara to try to play it mysterious and aloof with steven which gladiators may remember is exactly the same thing she told elizabeth to do with jeffrey back in the winter carnival episode which keeps on coming up like all that winter winter carnival shit keeps on getting rehashed and it of course it backfired on elizabeth in that book very badly and you know you can only imagine it will backfire a little bit although differently in this book but you know kara's not ready to start being aloof yet Uh, At this point, she's trying to figure out what's going on with Stephen. So, is anything wrong? You seem preoccupied, Kara observed as they strolled out onto the sidewalk. I'm a little worried about a paper I'm working on for my history class. In fact, this was a terrible time of the term for me to get sick. I've got tons of stuff to do, and you know how badly I want to get good grades this semester. He didn't notice the disappointed expression on Kara's face. Hey, she said softly, slipping her arm through his. I missed you. I'm glad you're back. Stephen looked down at her with surprise. For a moment, she thought she saw an expression of annoyance in his dark eyes. Kara, I don't feel very well. It's not like this is a vacation. Unless I can get a lot of stuff done while I'm at home. Kara pulled her arm back abruptly. I'm sorry, she said quickly. I only meant that it's nice to see you, that's all. Stephen's eyes softened. I'm sorry, he said, pulling her close to him. You'll have to bear with me, Kara. I just feel rotten, and the pills the doctor at school gave me are making me tired and cranky. I'm glad to see you too, and I miss you. Kara still felt uneasy. Stephen didn't sound like himself. Was it really because he was sick, or was it something else? 
Again, she thought that perhaps Jessica was right. Perhaps the relationship was beginning to get humdrum. It sure didn't seem that there were any fireworks right now. She wondered if there was some way to get mystery back in their relationship. I would also like to note that I noticed a running thing where, like, I feel like this bo- these books use aloof a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This one did, like- yeah. Yeah, it seems to be like their go-to thing is like, she was aloof and he needed to be more aloof. And I'm like, why is that? Yeah. I mean, is there anything more teenager than like attempting to be aloof? Like, Oh, man. I don't <laughs> know. seem aloof. I guess, I guess I should like apologize to Kara a little bit after you rereading that section. Because um, she does, to a certain degree... Uh, understand it but i th- i don't think that understanding is carried through like i feel like in that moment yeah. she's like you know like sh- i get it like she's excited to see her boyfriend but it's like he's coming home because he's sick and needs to see a doctor and is also like bogged down with a ton of schoolwork and she's just like oh i'm just so excited to see yeah. you i i i and well, he's just, like, hey. just like, to clarify just to clarify, I when I highlighted that passage in the book, I definitely think Kara is the one who is being annoying here. Like Stephen yeah. is sick; he's not home for vacation, and she's in. She's taking his every. You know, he's actually already asked her earlier in the night if they could go inside when they were sitting outside because it was yeah. bothering the pollen was was potentially bothering his allergies. So the fact that she asks him then to go for a walk out outside again, and that's where they have this conversation, is sort of like insensitive of Kara. But you know, they both get their turn at being shit. Um, speaking of Stephen uh, being sick, um, since I know uh, the listeners and and my guest readers uh, love this crazy weird stuff that the book uh, implies, um, here's a little passage you might like very little. Stephen has just come home. You don't look sick, Jessica argued, putting her head to one side and studying her brother. In fact, Stephen looked as handsome as ever, just like a younger version of their father, with his dark hair, broad shoulders, and eyes that crinkled at the corners when he smiled. Uh, which is only weird because, of course, that's Jessica's POV. So she's looking at her brother and not only thinking, he looks as handsome as ever, but also then thinking, just like our father. Yeah, they got some creepy stuff, I feel like. They just did not know how to describe. Or, like, even if they described him that way to, like, let the readers know, like, don't worry, he's still hot. Which I'm sure is what's happening, yeah. Which is what is important. But when you put it in the POV of that person's sister, (laughs) it comes off creepy. It's just the POV uh, thing going a a little wrong there. But anyway, so... yeah. Um, let's see. So the next thing that happens is that we find out that a- Abby and Amy Sutton are the finalists for that Oracle humor contest. So I don't know. I wouldn't have had Amy Sutton pegged as being a humor writer for the Oracle. Uh, is but it because Amy sucks and Amy's the worst? It's because she's the worst. Yeah, definitely the very worst. She's worse than Jessica. That's how bad she is. (laughs) But she has some kind of, like, comedy mismanners. I mean, I wish we could have seen what it was exactly that she was planning. But all it gets described to us is, like, a parody of mismanners that she's going to do. And one thing that I thought was kind of strange about this whole contest is that it becomes very clear that Amy and... Once Amy and Abby are the finalists, it's like 
they specify that the reason that they're going to have them do a second column is to see if they're able to keep on churning out good material. But if it's so important to have a new humor thing every week for, I guess the Oracle is a weekly paper, why don't they just bring them both on and have them go one at a time? Like Abby is working with Elizabeth a lot on the paper and on this strip and they're hanging out more and it becomes clear to, or it's, you know, it's, it's state, like Abby says that she's been helping Amy as well. And everyone's like, why are you helping her? Like, she's the competition. Like, why would you ever help her? She's like, well, you know, I don't know. She needed help. And it was a nice thing to do. It's like, Abby's a good person. Okay. Yeah, it becomes clear that Abby is a helper. Like, she really loves to help other people. And she kind of views it as a way of potentially making friends. So, yeah, Abby starts spending time at Elizabeth's house um, to get help with the strip. And she starts helping Jessica with chores and stuff. She's just, like, always – I mean, it's something that – it's not just, like – people are observing that Abby is helpful. People are talking to Abby about how helpful she is. And she is acknowledging that she's helpful and that she likes to be helpful. So it's a whole conversation in the book. And it's also like the running bit of why Jessica doesn't like her. Like Jessica doesn't really (laughs) like Abby or doesn't really... She doesn't trust her motives. She doesn't trust her. She says that she thinks someone who's so nice, it, it must be up to something, like must have an ulterior motive. I mean, but and part of me was kind of like, um, maybe is that true? You know, I tried to dig in deeper to it and find like deeper stuff that might not be there because it's just not what Sweet Valley High does. But I was like, I don't know the way she describes her ex-boyfriend. He kind of sounds emotionally abusive. Like, is she like really in, in a fragile place? And this is the only way she thinks she knows how to make friends. Like I went like, deeply into like are we gonna find out some like really dark stuff about our ex-boyfriend and we we didn't go there other than he was kind of terrible yeah Um, and i i think that we should we can definitely talk more about abby as a character and like whether or not we relate to any of her stuff in the extra drama episode i think that would be a fun thing to talk about with that yeah um but abby i mean at this point abby is really invested in her quest for new friends. And we also around this time see that she has bought a birthday present for Kara, like in anticipation of being invited she to a, party. a new dress for the party yeah. and a birthday present. Cause she's told her mother about the probably getting invited. And her mom is like, Oh, the Marine room. That's a fancy place. We'll need to get you a new dress. Like the mom is so excited that Abby is making new friends at sweet Valley high that she plays along with it. And, and Abby never bothers to tell her mom that it, she just, hopes to be invited like her mom just takes it all at face value um i think i think abby thought she was more so though like the way that i read it was that like abby thought she was invited i thought like when she talks to her mom mom's like oh you need a new dress and she's like yeah 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 that's a good idea we should do that and and she gives her a gift but then later she says she was waiting for a formal invite And I'm like, why would you buy a new dress and a present for a party that you haven't gotten a formal invite to? (laughs) Yeah, it's really kind of sad. Um, (laughs) Around this time, a thing happened that through the lens of 2020, really, I I thought was uh, remarkable, which is that 
Abby tells her mother on the day of the party, which I guess is a luncheon, that she can't go because she's feeling sick. And when the mom presses her about calling the doctor, she says that she assumes she has the flu because a lot of kids at school are getting the flu. And the mom proceeds to say, like, well, maybe you can just take a couple aspirin and go to the party anyway. And I just want to say, after this year, I hope that one major cultural shift we can make for the better is do not go to things if you are sick. Stay home. Don't go to work. Don't go to kids' parties, especially if you think you have the fucking flu. Jesus Christ, mom. Abby's mom, Mrs. Richardson. I feel like a lot of people's illnesses are severely downplayed in this book anyways. Like, Stephen's, like, it says, like, they're like, oh, you're sick. And he was like, well, you know, I'm not feeling well. And I'm having trouble breathing. But I'm fine. And I'm like, what? Like, he goes on and on about how sick he is with these allergies and how he's come home to see doctors to be put on allergy meds to the medicine is making him feel bad yeah to figure out what he's allergic to so they can help him and everyone around him seems to constantly downplay how sick he is and feels like he should just get over it yeah I think the book even seems to forget that he's sick um which I guess because it's it's a it's a mysterious allergy sinus thing. And eventually it turns yeah. out that he is allergic to a whole bunch of things um, in that are just in the air. And he just probably needs to be one of those people that gets like a quarterly allergy shot. But um, gladiators will uh, by now be familiar with a, a segment of the podcast, the Oh My God wow. moment. And honestly, the back half of this book was just a continuing series of Oh My God moments. But I did also have what I will call an Oh My Gosh moment, because I did say Oh My Gosh, a little bit toned down out loud to the book. And it happens on page 46, um, because Abby has bought this silver ring for Kara. And she's sitting there uh, thinking about how she hasn't been invited to the party um, she's even called Elizabeth to, like, try and get some intel on why she wasn't invited. And then she sort of bails on that because it's awkward. And anyway. Yeah. Abby sighed as she sat forlornly at her desk. One thing was clear. She had obviously been going about things the wrong way. Making friends just wasn't as easy now as it had been when she was younger. Well, she was just going to have to bend over backward to do nice things for people to get them to like her. Maybe there were some things she could do to help Elizabeth in exchange for her advice about the Jenny strip frowning, she picked up the silver ring she had chosen for Kara. Maybe Elizabeth would like it. Why not? It was only a small token, but it was a tiny way of showing Elizabeth how grateful she was for her friendship and advice. And I was just like, oh no, Abby, don't give Elizabeth that ring just for no reason. Like, it it made me so nervous to think about her trying so hard to to make friends. It's tough. I mean, I have... I've had some, like, I've had, I had one person kind of do that with me in college that they were, like, I could tell that they were kind of socially awkward and they were having a hard time making friends and had kind of like, had changed majors partway through college. And all of a sudden they were in my major and they were having a hard time making friends. But, you know, I, like, I was like, oh, I see that. And I, I try to be as friendly with her, you know, as, as I could, but you know, it was like halfway through college at that point. So I assumed like, well, she has friends in, in her previous major other places. So, you know, that was what it was, but I remember her just like 
trying so hard to make friends with the new people in her major and with myself and with my friends to the point that she came up to me one day and said, can I be friends with you and your friends? And that's all I can think of when I was reading this. And I'm like, oh, it's so sad. It would be nice if that was not weird. Like if that was just the thing that you did. I can think of some groups of friends in my life that I very much wanted to like be a part of. And a couple of times I've been fortunate enough to actually become good friends with a group of people that I hoped to become good friends with. But it was mm-hmm. never, you know, I was never that person who was like, I want to be friends with you. Because I'm I'm very nervous about coming on too strong. Um, it's sometimes I think I don't come on at all, whether it's in friendships or in romantic situations, because I am so nervous about being seen as like that, that about being seen as this person. Then maybe that's why I said, oh my gosh, because out loud, because it yeah. makes me it makes me so a- anxious. Um, I think about Mary in uh, the reason I related to Mary so much in Downton Abbey. That whole time that she is not telling Matthew how she feels is because she really has her pride and she doesn't want to risk it by looking silly by telling him how she feels. And I I related to that aspect of her character so much. Sorry, oh, that's yeah. a little bit of a a little bit of a stretch from this point, but but Abby made me very nervous. She doesn't give the ring to Elizabeth Gladiators. She yeah, actually gives it good. to Kara later on in the book. And it's a good thing that she does in a way because Kara, it makes Kara realize that, oh, fuck, I really, she didn't forget about the invitation. Like, I, I, I screwed up by telling her about it. And I definitely did that once. I had a friend who I assumed I was going to be invited to their birthday. And I went out and I bought them a gift. And they had a party and they did not invite me. And I mean, mind you, this was fourth grade. But, um, <laughs> but you, I, you're not holding a grudge about it or anything. No, no, I actually I'm not like that. The, 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 the point of the story was that <laughs> okay, I, okay. I did the same thing. Like I had oh. gotten her present because we were like, we were incredibly close friends. And I was certain I was going to get invited. I didn't. I gave her the gift once I heard that other people had been invited and I hadn't, I was like, well, I already gave her the gift. And I even remember my mom saying like, do you want to return it? And I was like, no, no, we got it. You know, I'm going to give it to her. I think part of my like nine year old brain thought maybe if I give it to her, she'll invite me. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I gave gave it to her before the party. Yeah. Oh, I think I did. I think I did. Well, maybe that's what Abby should have done. I mean, Kara could have squeezed one more person around the table because the party, the other party comes. And uh, may I please read the guest list of this party? Uh, Thank you. Okay, so Sandra Bacon is there with her boyfriend, Manuel Lopez. Of course, uh, Jean is there with her boyfriend, Tom McKay. Winston Egbert is there, which might seem weird, except he's there with Maria Santelli, another cheerleader, and his girlfriend. Amy Sutton is there, of course. Bruce Patman is also there, which I don't know that Bruce Patman is such good friends with Kara. He and Amy are sort of dating, but there's a whole segment about how he's like back to his bad boy antics after Regina's death. Um, Liz Wickfield is there with her boyfriend, Jeffrey. Then it's Kara and Stephen and 
dateless Jessica Wakefield. And that's like the 15 people that Kara has at her party. I can't help but notice that Robin uh, is the only... Ch- Robin and Annie Whitman are like two cheerleaders that aren't were not invited to Kara's birthday party. Uh, so it's like all of her, like her girlfriends and their boyfriends and Jessica. <laughs> so <laughs> I, you I can see that. where Jessica's getting at in terms of all of her friends are in serious relationships, man. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you have the, the storyline running alongside this, which is that Stephen has these romantic letters. Yes. So Stephen gets up. He's not feeling very well. He gets up from the table after Kara has asked him how his steak is. He's just being kind of moody. Kara goes out. Um, well, I'll just read it. She went out to the front hall of the restaurant, intending to wait for Stephen, but she didn't have to wait for him. He was sitting on a chair, scanning a piece of pink stationery, his brow wrinkled. Hey, Kara said with a smile, coming up behind him and putting her hands on his shoulders. What's that? Something you don't want to read at the table? Her voice was intimate and knowing, as if she were in on a secret with him. Stephen jumped. His face turned bright red, and he folded the stationery hastily. Kara, he said, annoyed. Since when do you go sneaking up on people and reading over their shoulders? Kara felt her face grow hot. I wasn't sneaking, she said indignantly. I just came out here to see where you were, to make sure you were all right. She felt her pulse quicken. Anyway, what difference would it make if I were looking over your shoulder? Since when do you get letters that you have to hide from me, your girlfriend? Some things are private, that's all, Stephen said defensively, putting the letter into the breast pocket of his suit. Kara was really angry now. I don't like the way you're acting one bit, she snapped, folding her arms across her chest. This happens to be my party, Stephen, and you're barely paying attention to me. All you've done all day is complain. I know you don't feel well, but that doesn't mean you have to act as if I don't exist. Stephen glared at her. You're acting like a baby, Kara. I told you the night I got back, this isn't a vacation for me. I've got tons of homework to do, and I feel rotten all the time. I know I'm not acting like myself, but can't you be more sympathetic? Kara looked resentful. What about the fact that it's my party? Doesn't that count? Stephen sighed. Look, I'm sorry, he said, putting her arm around her. I don't know what it is. I just feel kind of out of it. That's all. Can you bear with me for a little while until I start to feel better? And uh, so that's their fight. And Kara goes back to thinking about Jessica and the mystery thing. And I don't know. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty much the rest of the book is about... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because that only happens yeah. on, like, page 50. There's a hundred more pages, but that's basically, yeah. Yeah, the rest up. of the book is about Stephen getting these mysterious letters on this yeah. romantic pink stationery. Right, so let's talk the about the stationery. Are... The, see, the thing is, when they first described it and they were like, he's getting these anonymous letters and on this pink stationery, I was like, is this like a Trisha thing? This feels like a Trisha thing. Like, somehow. You see, this is why I have you on to talk about the Stevens yeah. romances, because of course it is a Trisha thing. It is a Trisha thing. Um I- yeah, right, be- because the paper, the stationery, is exactly the same stationery that Trisha used to write him letters on. So the the anonymous love letter that he's gotten, um, which I can read uh, for the listeners, is uh, is really kind of tripping him up. Um, Dear Steve, you know how I feel about you, so this is probably silly, but I just feel like writing. Sometimes, especially when we're so far apart, writing really helps, don't you think? I can almost imagine kissing you. I know you know who I am, so I'm not even going to sign this. 
and you know how I feel, too. In fact, my feelings for you are getting stronger all the time. My heart pounds when I think of you. All my love, always. And the book goes on to explain that Stephen has no idea who this letter is from, and it's nerve-wracking because it's like as if he is receiving a letter from a ghost. Well, also, I think... I mean, besides that, I think like it's upsetting to him that it's on the same paper. He doesn't know who it's coming from, and then he doesn't really want Kara to know that he has some sort of weird secret admirer situation going on. Yeah, and importantly, and- we get this. We get a lot of this information out through Abby Richardson, who has been spending a lot of time at the Wakefield's house. And Stephen feels that he can really talk to her because she's very honest. She's a very nice person. And she's recently been in a complicated relationship that had issues. So she gives him a lot of advice about, you know, he opens up to her about the problems he's having with Kara, about the letters that he's getting. And one of the things that he tells her is that he can't, he feels he can't talk to Kara about the letters because it would mean talking about Trisha, and he just gets the sense that Kara is uninterested in talking about anything related to Trisha. It's like it's like a no conversation area. I think, uh, and I think it's also important to note, like if, like he talks to Abby, uh, he talks to her a lot. Like she's coming over to their house pretty much every single day after school to hang out with Elizabeth. She starts hanging out with Jessica, kind of doing Jessica's bidding when Jessica manipulates her into doing it because Abby's so nice. She doesn't get it and just helps, but she's there all the time. And Steven's around a lot because he's sick and he's trying to get work done. And they just kind of slowly start talking and she just gives him really great advice and great feedback. And she's, and also she's kind of, you know, she's a third party. She's got like kind of removed from the situation and she can say like, this is what worked for me. And this is what didn't, like you said, she's, you know, giving the advice based on her relationship. Whereas like when he, when Steven and Carr keep trying to talk to each other, they're just like butting heads with each other every time. And it's just, miscommunication after miscommunication and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and they just can't understand they're just like they're talking to each other but somehow their ship's passing in the night and they're just not getting it right neither one of them are getting it steven is bringing into every conversation his um confusion about these mystery letters, his worries about Kara being needy. Kara is bringing into every conversation her her feeling that Stephen is cl- is not telling her something, is being closed off, isn't explaining what's wrong. So she's trying to investigate and find out what's wrong. And he is feeling like he wants her to stop prying. And so it's just this like vicious cycle because they neither of them will actually uh, tell each other the full truth about what's going on, which is nothing is what's going on. There's nothing wrong, as we'll get to. <laughs> but there is, I mean, I guess we could say that they have a serious communication problem. Uh, <laughs> but that will... I think they have, like, even bigger problems than that. Like, by the end of it, I came to the conclusion that, like, the the more that 
they spend time, the more that you watch Abby and Steven spend time together, it's not, to me, it becomes clear. It's not just about the fact that she's very nice and she gives good advice, but like he says over and over again, like, God, Abby just like gets me. Like she understands. She gets me. She's so easy to talk to. Like, Yes, I love Kara, but she is not this easy to talk to. And what's more, he tells Abby this to her face. He tells her, I wish Kara were more like you. And Abby is definitely starting to feel feelings for Steven. But bless her heart, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to let herself really think of him that way as long as Kara's still in the picture. And she's not trying to get Kara out of the picture. So... Yeah, I think she very much keeps it in check. And I feel like you can have that in real life where you you can be friends with somebody that you know is in a relationship and you can be like, you know, I really like them and I If they were know- single, it might be, it would be different. Yeah, but, and like, yeah, yeah, if they were single and decided that they liked me, it would be a conversation. But yeah. as long as I know they're in a relationship, our relationship is friends and that's fine. And I feel like that's exactly how she looked at it. yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I this is I guess part of where the when I said at the outset of the episode that Stephen sucks. This is a little bit where it's coming in because I think that Stephen is definitely dipping his toe into an area of kind of like purposeful emotional infidelity, if you you want to call it that. Like he's he's perp- he is divulging things to Abby that he is on purpose that he is also on purpose not talking to Kara about and. If he had, if he were spending the energy communicating with Kara instead of communicating with Abby, he and Kara wouldn't be having problems at all. But instead, he's so concerned with keeping these letters a secret from Kara because he thinks it'll piss her off that it's actually causing a, a big and we'll soon learn very unnecessary problem. Um. I do feel like he, like, okay if these letters are what he thinks they are, which is some secret admirer that has feelings for him and he's getting all of these letters and he's kind of eating them up as he's, you know, in in a way as he's getting them. um, And he doesn't want her to know that rightfully. So I don't think Kara would love to know he was getting secret love letters from some other girl. So I, I don't think he's entirely wrong to think that she wouldn't want to know about them. I guess um, I just feel like what he's what is weirding him out is is the way that it's is the weirdness of like it's making him unsettled. The Trisha part of it is unsettling to him. Like, I, I, yeah, I guess I felt like. I mean, I guess you can read it how you however you want to read it, and I read it as like. The fact that it was on the same stationery was kind of giving him PTSD. Yeah. With Kara, but it's not like he thought it was from Kara or anything else. It was just like these letters were throwing him for a loop anyways. And on top of it, you mean it's not like he thought they were from Trisha? No, like I never thought he thought that. No, no, I don't think he thought that. I think people, there's definitely conversation about, like, who would be so cruel as to play this trick on you? But he just seems really wrapped up in it. It's it's stressing him out. But we don't have to litigate this 
whether whether Stephen did the right thing or the wrong thing. It's like it's understandable that he was trying to protect Kara's feelings, but yeah. what yeah. we'll learn is that he he in doing that is unwittingly creating a bigger problem. He's creating a problem out of nothing. So because ultimately. <laughs> Twins find out about the letters. Let's talk about the midnight madness sale at the mall and the uh, the stationery reveal. I don't remember it, but I love the idea of. Uh, it seems so like 1988 or whenever this book was written. Yeah, um, I was like, was that a thing? And I just wasn't alive <laughs> yet. It was just not a thing yet. Like, I don't <laughs> Be- know because it's already nighttime, and Mrs. Wakefield asks the twins if they can pick something up for her because they're going to this midnight madness sale, and it's some stationery. And so they go to the stationery store. Uh, this this book has so many coincidences in it it's really it's really spins your head but uh when they're at the stationery store oh at this point they have seen like elizabeth has heard about the letters that steven's been getting she's seen them she's seen them so she recognizes that there's this blue stationery that looks just like the um forget me not uh pink stationery that steven's been getting the letters on and they she talks to jessica about it and they start to do some digging and they find out that like a young woman came in looking for romantic stationery that's that was the pink and that was the last one of those that that they sold at the stationery store so now they're thinking like okay we have a lead um and the stationery lady describes the girl that bought them and they think that it's abby yeah, but she also doesn't fully remember. She's like, she was about your age. That's like about all she remembers. And they think that, that Jessica thinks that it's Abby. Elizabeth is unwilling to believe that kind Abby would do something like that. But Jessica, of course, has always suspected that Abby's niceness is a cover for some ulterior motives. Yeah. Then, coincidence again, they pull over at some random gas station to get a drink and Betsy Martin is there. Well, it turns out Betsy Martin, Trisha Martin's sister, the famous Trisha Martin, is only in town because Stephen called her to ask about Trisha's old stuff, like the stationery, because he'd been getting these weird letters, which is a, I don't know what he was hoping to achieve. Any thoughts? I thought for a second, maybe it was coming from the sister. Yeah. And that's why all of a sudden you run into the sister. Yeah. I, I mean, felt she... like, well, she would have the stationery if anyone would, and maybe she's fallen for him. And, and she did know. have feelings for him in a previous book, too. So yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, but, but that's not it. Then, then we find this is also another thing where I was, I was pretty frustrated with Steven. Ned Wakefield comes home and he has a client or a partner or somebody that's given him six tickets to go to a Lakers game. And he suggests to Stephen that that he could invite Kara since there's only five Wakefields. And Stephen is immediately like, Kara and I are kind of in a rough patch. I don't think she'd want to go. We should take Abby instead. I mean, he basically says that he thinks he's going to break up with her at this point. Yeah. And, and and now the Wakefield twins, the girls are like, oh, my God, this is proof positive. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, especially when Jessica catches Abby, she thinks she's catching her with one of Stephen's letters in her hand. Because Stephen and Abby have just talked about it and 
And, and he's given it to, you know, like, he's, yeah. like, handed it to her, so she had it in her hand, and they're like, that's it, it's done, yeah. case closed, it's Abby. And She's Abby, like, quickly stuffs it into her backpack yeah. because she doesn't want to divulge Stephen's issues. She doesn't want to, like, betray his trust by talking about the yeah. letters. Because Jessica asks her, like, what is that? And she's like, oh, it's nothing, and just stuffs it. But Jessica already yeah. knows that this is the pink stationery. So now Jessica and Elizabeth are like, oh, my God, I can't believe Abby would be so duplicitous. But they do believe it. And meanwhile, Jessica now has told Lila about all of this and sworn Lila to secrecy. But then Kara starts talking to Lila. And um, I want to read this scene because Kara starts talking to Lila toward the end of the book about how things are really bad with Stephen and she's just going to have to throw herself at his mercy or whatever. Um, And... Um, she says that she's going to call him today and apologize for the way she's been acting. Um, Lila stared at her in horror. Suddenly the promise she had made to Jessica lost its importance. She couldn't let her very good friend crawl back to Stephen, knowing what she knew. Kara, you cannot do that, she said quietly. Why not? Why are you looking at me that way? Do you know something I don't know? Kara demanded. Stephen, Lila said slowly, is taking Abby Richardson to the Lakers game with his family on Saturday night instead of you. Now, how's that for a guy who suddenly needs so much time for himself? Kara stared at Lila in horror, her face turning completely white. Are you serious? She gasped. Lila nodded. Absolutely. Jessica just told me, but she made me swear not to tell you. She added uneasily. Kara, you'd better not tell a soul. Don't you dare tell Steve. If you do, Jessica's gonna know I told you. Kara's eyes blazed with anger. I couldn't care less who told you what. You'd better believe I'm gonna tell Steve. She was so angry and upset she was trembling violently. I'm gonna go over to his house and tell him what a jerk I think he is. Her dark eyes filled with tears. I'm gonna kill them all, she muttered. I bet Liz is behind this somehow. She's the one who started inviting Abby over all the time. I bet she wanted this to happen all along. Kara, please, Lila begged. Just wait till you cool down a little before you go over to make a scene. Forget it, Kara said, her teeth clenched. I'm not keeping quiet another minute. I intend to find out exactly what's going on between Steve and Abby. So Kara's all keyed up. And I was like ready now. I was ready for Kara to go over and confront Stephen about this whole thing and like hear what Stephen had to say. But instead, Kara just goes home and pouts and doesn't confront him at all. Yeah. But but meanwhile, at the Wakefields... The twins tell Stephen that... Like, it just all blows up. They tell well, Stephen yeah. that... In front of Abby. Abby. So Abby is at the Wakefields' Abby. house. The girls come in, and, I mean, I might as well keep going, because this is the climax climax of the book. So before they actually say anything, um, Lila goes over to Kara's house, and that's when we find out the truth about the letters. That Kara was behind them all along, because... Jessica told her to spice things up. So this was her way of spicing things up. Yeah. Was by sending him these anonymous letters, I guess. Yeah. And Kara has no idea about the problem that the letters have happened because as she reveals to Lila, she, she doesn't even know if Steven like has been reading the letters. Like every, she does. Well, she knew that she brought it up with him. And then she says he like skirted the issue and was weird about it. Um, yeah. She says she tried to. Yeah, she says, 
I decided to send Stephen these anonymous love letters. I really went all out. I went and bought this romantic stationery, and I even put perfume on the paper. I wrote these schmaltzy letters and then sent them without signing them. That sounds like a good way to put some romance back in your relationship, Lila said, pouring herself some iced tea. What happened? Didn't he like them? The worst thing in the world is that I don't know what he thought of them. I tried to ask him about the first one, and he got incredibly defensive. He acted as if the letter was from someone else. So I got even more paranoid, thinking that he must like some girl at college or he wouldn't be acting that way. You never told him the letters were from you? No, the whole point was to be mysterious. So that's is all just a big misunderstanding that got even worse because, like I, like we were saying, meanwhile, at the Wakefield house, the twins are over there. First, they accuse Abby of having writing the, written the letters. And then Stephen is like, Abby, you wrote those letters? I can't believe he, you would do something like that's that. That's the thing that made me mad. It was that he so quickly believed it was Abby. Yeah. Like right away. Just right away believed that it was Abby. Never gave her the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. and Abby is having a lot of feelings about this. Now this is Abby who, you know, has tried so hard to be nice to people, has really gone out of her way, like bending over backwards, as we described earlier, to make friends. And Elizabeth has even talked to her before about how she can be kind of a pushover and like, she doesn't need to do that. That's not what real friendship is like. She's like sewing people's socks for them. Like she's really just anything. She just bends over backwards. Yeah. Abby, though, in in her horror, we get a glimpse in her in her monologue, and we find out that like she feels herself kind of feeling guilty, and then she realizes, wait a second, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I don't need to feel guilty for this. So here's here's the scene. Okay, settle in. I'm gonna it's gonna be a long one. This is the the big one. Elizabeth and Jessica exchanged glances. The girl in the stationery store told us someone came in who looked just like you and bought the last box of stationery like that, Jessica said, convinced by now that the saleswoman really had identified the girl as Abby. Well, she's wrong. I would never do something like that. The truth is, I haven't done one single thing that I have any reason to be ashamed of. She looked directly at Stephen when she spoke. You know that, Steve. I'm surprised you could turn on me the way you did. I sat here and listened and listened while you told me how upset you were about Kara, and I never took advantage of your uncertainty. I encouraged you over and over again to talk things out with her, to try and make things work. How can you possibly think I was trying to sabotage your relationship with her? Stephen was quiet for a minute. I don't know what to think, he said. If it's true you wrote those letters... Abby felt something snap in her then. I didn't write those letters, Stephen. I can't believe this is happening. All my life, I've tried to be nice and do things for other people, she said in a quiet voice. Now for the first time ever, I can see how crazy that was. I tried to get all of you to like me. I liked you, and I wanted to be your friend. But it's obvious that I went about things the wrong way. Not one of you trusts me. You think I was just using you. I see now what really comes of being nice to people. Good for Abby. So Elizabeth, and it is good for Abby, and Elizabeth is, like, sort of thinking, oh, perhaps they had misjudged her, and Abby leaves, and she's like, how dare you? And right then, Kara shows up and is like, she sees the pink paper, and she's like, oh, like, because the letters are right there on the table, and she's just like, oh, so you got these after all. And then Stephen and Kara basically are like, ha, 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 what a misunderstanding. Oh, my God. What the hijinks. 
and just like, <laughs> oh, ha, 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 how funny. I love you. I love you, too. So dumb of me. <laughs> and then they all go together to Abby's house to apologize to her. And they invite uh, Abby. They say, Abby, you should still go to the Lakers game, but we'll try to find another ticket so Kara can come, too. And they all go to the Lakers game together. They do have, like, a couple good notes of Abby where – before they go to apologize, they're like, oh, she must have felt awful, kind of. And I don't remember who points it out, whether it's Jessica or Elizabeth. And one of them are like, no, actually, she stood up for herself. Yeah, and I think it's Elizabeth. Said, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve Oh, no, maybe this. it was Stephen. Elizabeth is worried about what she knows is Abby's fragile ego. Then again, when they, you know, when they go to apologize to her again, she stands her ground. Yeah. And says, you know, I didn't deserve this. And like, I accept your apology, but I didn't deserve what happened. I didn't do anything wrong. So much as in the previous book, where we have a kind of repressed character finally at the end of the book, breaking off those shackles, that that has happened yeah. again. And, and it, it is very satisfying, even if it's all just so much hijinks. Yeah. Like, because cause seriously, Kara and Steven, one conversation about these letters could have cleared up everything. And going back now and rereading the letter, it was just like, oh, my God, you idiot. Like, it's so clearly from Kara. She talks about how they're far apart from each other, you know. Yeah. Katie, having read now three Sweet Valley High novels, Mm -hmm. do you find yourself to be an Elizabeth or a Jessica? I mean, I guess I have to say... Elizabeth, because I'm definitely not a Jessica at all. I don't understand her method of thought. But I don't think I am quiet and and reserved enough to really be an Elizabeth. So (laughs) (laughs) I I really I related to Abby a lot in this book. And we can talk more about that in the extra drama episode. Yeah, I know we didn't have too many segments in this book. Uh, Prince Albert did make an appearance. Do you happen to notice what kind of dog Prince Albert was in this book, Katie? Let's see. Prince. Okay. Was he, Prince, was he, wasn't he? Was he a golden retriever, was he? Yes. No. He's a golden retriever okay. puppy. So remaining a puppy also. That's nice. Yeah. The dog isn't aging either. So yep. still a golden retriever or a golden retriever again. I think that that, I think he was a golden retriever last time. Anyway, we'll check, check the tape, gladiators. Um, well, I guess, the, I mean, in closing, we can say that Abby did get like Jenny is the segment that's chosen to be the, the Jenny comic strip is chosen for the Oracle and uh, everybody's uh, happy. Except, you know, anyone that reads the Oracle because her comic strips are not funny <laughs> and they suck. <laughs> yeah. The second one, the second one is actually like less funny than the first one. I think. Yeah. Like this is the hill that I will die on. And it's that her <laughs> stuff is not funny and she's not a good <laughs> comic strip writer. <laughs> and I need people to know that. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you so much for doing this with me and oh, being course. back, being my my regular guest on Sweet Valley Diaries. Do you have anything you want to plug? Do I have anything I want to plug? Um, I mean, not really, because I don't have any dates for anything that i have that's fine i mean the the only thing (laughs) i I, can cut this part out 
Yeah, I mean, like, I have one thing, but I don't have a date for it, so I can't give you the date. Like, I can yell at you to watch the new Eric Andre movie on Netflix, but I don't have a date for it, so. All right. That sounds great. I can tell you to watch his stand-up that's on Netflix, and that's it. Did you work on that? No, so it's not really. It's just, like. (laughs) Trying to help my boss out. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, gladiators, I will plug you in. Well, wait, <laughs> I'll plug you in. I want to plug you into Instagram where you can follow this account of Sweet Valley <laughs> Diaries. You know, 44 episodes still haven't gotten any better at telling you to promote follow and five star and all that stuff the sweet valley diaries podcast but luckily the podcast is growing in listenership even despite my really shitty job of of summing things up every episode or maybe thanks to it maybe people just love my candor and my my like charm and my sort of uh you know deference um and you know what that's all part of what makes me an elizabeth and frankly also something of an abby uh katie we found out at the end of this book that there's a cousin named Kelly who's coming to visit the Wakefields in book 45. Kelly seems like trouble. She seems like Kelly trouble. does seem like some trouble. She's mad that her mom's getting remarried because she's team dad all the way. Would you care to tease book 45 for our listeners Give by reading the uh, very last little thingy in the book? The last the italicized paragraph. Okay, if my thing will let me. Um, Will Kelly stay in Sweet Valley? Mm, Nope, I gotta do it again. (laughs) Will (laughs) Kelly's stay in Sweet Valley help her accept the situation at home? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 45, Family Secrets. Tune in next week for more about 44. And then the week after that, Family Secrets. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Pretenses. Pretenses. Uh, all right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Am I ready? I guess. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. Hopefully, you know, muscle memory podcasting. I just did this two weeks ago, so less than two weeks ago. All right. All right, starting.